and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope everyone's having a blessed day today, as always. And I was reading over an article, and this this kind of I'm going to start show off with some humor. You know, people in California probably are going to find this humorous. I find this humorous just from a comical standpoint because Governor Nuisance, is everybody starting to call him now out in California, continues to outdo himself with idiotic ideas and mandates. And I saw this a couple days ago, and I thought it was a spoof. I'll be honest with you. I thought it was like a satirical article. It was fake news. I didn't believe it. So I got another email today, and I researched it, and it's actually accurate. Governor Newsom in California has now basically gone and put out his mandates for the holiday season, for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. And I I was going to read a couple of them here. So, of course, he said now, if you are going to do anything with family, it is a three-household limit. I mean, if you have a big extended family, they're cut off. Three-household maximum limit, period. And, of course, all of those gatherings can only be either outside or at a park. You cannot have any Christmas or Thanksgiving gatherings inside your house. And if anybody does have to go inside your house to go to the bathroom, it's for the bathroom only, and it has to be immediately sanitized. They go on to say that strict social distancing is mandatory. Masks are strictly required. And the only time you can take them off is to take a sip of water or drink or bite of food, and then it must go back on. So it just goes a step further here now. And this is what really got me. So the strict three household gatherings, again, that are only allowed to be outside, all gatherings must gather no longer than two hours. To our maximum, because apparently if you gather for six hours outside socially distanced with a mask, um, coronavirus immediately jumps on you. It's just, it's got a two-hour time limit. It doesn't go past that. You are not allowed to have any singing, chanting, or shouting. All meals must be prepared in single-serving disposable containers, and at the table there must be strict six-feet chair separation in every direction at the table. Now, I've literally thought a couple days ago this was a joke. I thought there's no way possible this clown in California could even say this stuff with a straight face. But he did. And they mandated it. And they expect everybody to follow it. Now, let me take it a step further, though, and kind of close this up and let you guys see what's happening. There's no possible way to enforce this, clearly. There's no way you can actually enforce this. However, what it's doing is it's reinforcing the edict from a psychological warfare standpoint, a psychop, that the government has the all-powerful control to literally tell you about every single facet of your life in everything you do. They have control over it, dictatorial control over it. That's what this entire thing is about, and they're trying to make it as nightmarish as possible. So when they finally do roll out this unbelievably toxic vaccine, which, by the way, I'll get into a second, AstraZeneca has now had a 28-year-old volunteer die in the vaccine trial. However, they're saying that he was allegedly in the control group and was given a placebo. He wasn't given the actual COVID vaccine, which I'll tell you right now, I don't know what's in that placebo either, because remember, they don't have to put just saline solution in it. But that's where this is going, my friends. So out in California, 
sorry this happened to y'all. It's kind of funny because this has gotten so ridiculous, but then it's not funny. So I encourage everybody, if you're in California, do not listen to these mandates whatsoever under any circumstances. There is no lawful backing to this crap at all. For example, as well, now we have finally seen in Colorado, basically congregations of multiple churches now have won a court lawsuit. The lawsuit brought against the state of Colorado by pastors of two Colorado churches asserted the mandates violated religious freedom by saying you have to essentially wear a mask. They also said the lawsuit calls both the federal government and Colorado leaders into account for their violations of the right to free exercise of religion. The U.S. District Court judge presiding over the case, Daniel Domenico, said the Constitution did not support Governor Jared Polis's mandate requiring everyone 11 or older to wear a mask in church. And he said the Constitution does not allow the state under any circumstances to tell a congregation how large it can be when comparable secular gatherings are not limited or tell the congregation its reason for wishing to remove facial coverings is less important than, say, a restaurant or spa. So he reversed all requirements and all law that they could possibly be put on churches in the state of California. So kudos to them. I have to give them kudos and this judge for standing their ground on this and ruling in favor of the churches. So essentially now all Colorado churches are free from the COVID psychological shackles that have been tried to be forced upon everybody. But I just want to kind of bring that up. We're making some progress in some areas, like this is positive. However, we're starting to see insane mandates, for example, in California, that in my opinion should never be followed under any circumstances because that just reinforces the fact that these clowns really truly think they have the right to tell you what you can do, how many people you can have at your home, how far your chairs have to be from one another, how you can eat, how you can drink, how you can socialize, and that is a complete and total lie. They do not have that control whatsoever if you do not give them that control, Dad. You know, Austin, this whole thing with this governor in California, it's like the governor in Michigan. It's like the governor in North Carolina. Uh, these people are just globalist pawns. Is all they are. They're they're communists, yep. and they're trying their best just to destroy the very fabric of the United States. Yesterday, I reported on a story about how the new pope, basically, well, he's not new anymore. He's been around for a few years now. How he basically wants to have civil union endorsement, and you know, and so there's an AP News bulletin that just came out a few minutes ago and it says the plot thickens over the origins of the Pope's civil union endorsement and it goes on to say questions world Thursday about the origins of his comments endorsing same-sex civil unions with all evidence suggesting he made them in a 2019 interview that was never broadcast in its entirety the Vatican refused to comment on whether it cut the remarks from its own broadcast or pressured the Mexican broadcaster that conducted the interview to follow suit and it didn't respond to questions about why it allowed the contents to be aired now in the documentary Francisco, which premiered on, premiered on Friday. Now, this was just released by the AP Wire. AP Wire is a Rothschild-controlled news aggregator that basically tells everybody what they're going to talk about. Now, Reuters is another Rothschild-owned news aggregator. And they just released a story on this on the same thing with this pope pope's message of you know bringing in homosexuals. 
into the church in the Catholic Church, which has, met by, has been met by tremendous backlash from Catholics all over the world. And here's what Reuters said. Jewish director, I'm reading what it says now, don't fuss at me. Jewish director sends message of hope in Pope Francis' film. Well, now they're telling us that the director of the film wasn't a Catholic, wasn't even a Christian. It was a Jewish director, and most of the liberal Jews believe in same-sex marriages, homosexuality, and a whole bunch of other weird stuff, and abortion, because they're very, very liberal. And this is by Philip Trudella, and he goes, Rome, October the 24th, Reuters, after tackling a war in Syria, Oscar-nominated UVG, okay, I'm just going to spell it, A-F-I-N-E-E-V-S-K-A-Y, wanted his next documentary, this is the Jewish fellow, to send a message of hope. So he chose as a subject the only world leader he believes capable of uniting humanity, Pope Francis. Afiinsky, a Russian-born Jew, depicts Francis as a great connector, and Francisco, which premiered in the Rome Film Festival on Wednesday, places the Pope at the heart of a narrative that casts a wide net over some of the world's most pressing problems. Now, first of all, we already know what happened with the Russian Jewish folks that came over who were super liberals into the United States starting in the late 1800s by the millions and infiltrated our university systems in our major cities. We already know that. We've covered that in depth before on this show. But now he's saying how wonderful this pope is. So I posted a bunch of articles about this pope on our website. And one of the articles I posted was Pope Francis, the CIA, and death squads. In 1970s, Father Giorgio Bergoglio faced a moment of truth when he stand up for Argentina's military neo-Nazis, disappearing thousands, including priests, or keep his mouth shut and his career on track. Like many other church leaders, Pope Francis took the safe route. Now, what happened is this pope was actually involved in Buenos Aires and sending a lot of his parishioners and other people who opposed the communist infiltration and the communist government and the CIA infiltration into the government in Buenos Aires into Argentina, basically had them sent to their death on the back of transport planes and they were dumped about 100 miles out into the ocean. Yes, that was this pope. Up to 30,000 people died this way and he was responsible for many of the deaths, including other priests. This is this guy. I went to Buenos Aires years ago and I talked to people about Argentina's dirty war and this Giorgio Mario Bergoglio, Pope Francis. And not one person who was at his cathedral where he used to preach said he was a good person. Every single person hated this guy because of what they did. Now, you know, this is crazy that this is happening, but this is the guy who killed, was involved in the killing of all these people who suddenly now is the hope of uniting the people on this planet. I mean, we needed to go into a little bit more detail. I kind of skimmed it yesterday, but I just want you guys to know what's going on and how the Rothschilds Reuters and the Rothschilds AP Wire are pushing this narrative. In addition to this, another the uh, ex-Reddit CEO says that Ghislaine Maxwell's, that we knew about her supplying children for, net, for sex. In other words, they knew about this 10 years ago. Reddit does. And, you know, in fact... Earlier this year, former Reddit CEO tweeted that she was at a party in 2011 where Maxwell was in attendance and we knew about her supplying children for sex. Now, what's interesting about this is that, you know, we know that Ghislaine Maxwell was pushing this sex with young children all over the world through Jeffrey Epstein. But what we don't know is what Reddit is and who Reddit is and how they were developed. Now, I had to look some of this up this morning. I had to look up Reddit. I had to figure out they're a large news aggregator like Drudge, except they're extremely liberal. 
extremely, extremely liberal. In fact, you got to look at the people who were involved in the foundation. Now, these people are no longer involved in it because it got bought up, and I'll come, I'm going to cover that to us in a second. But Alexis Ohanian, basically, he was one of the guys who started it. He ended up marrying uh, Serena or Venus Williams. I have to look it up in a second. But, you know, the reason I brought him up is basically he's extremely, extremely li- liberal. Uh, they also have, you know, uh, they have a baby now together. And I know Serena Williams because I worked with her as a nutritionist back in the 80s, actually when the, it was in the 80s, either in the late 80s or early 90s, when she was working at Greenleaf Golf and Country Club as a tennis person who basically was being trained over there. This was in Haines City, Florida. Now, he's extremely liberal, this guy who did this. Now, the next guy who was involved was Steve Huffman. Now, Steve Huffman's another weirdo, and uh, okay, but, but, he, but he also known by his Reddit username, Spets. He's an American web developer and entrepreneur. is the co-founder and CEO of Reddit. And see, he basically grew up in Warrington, Virginia, and at the age of eight, he began programming computers. You know, it's so funny to me. All these guys that they use as front people – they have the same similar stories. Uh, he started when he was three years old. He started when he was five years old. He started doing this when he was eight years old. And all this stuff that we're supposed to believe. Now, he's also since left Reddit. And then we have Aaron Schwartz. Now, Aaron Schwartz was in our because he's dead. He died you know, very young at the age of 26. And he basically committed suicide by hanging after he was basically indicted on a bunch of criminal charges and was going to plan to spend a bunch of time in prison. He ended up supposedly killing himself, though I wasn't there, so I don't know what happened when he hung himself. So we have all of this stuff. Now, what happened is the guy, Samuel Irving Newhouse, is the one who bought Reddit and basically now has it separated, and these other guys who founded it are no longer involved in it. Samuel Irving Newhouse was born Solomon Isidore Newhouse in 1895, and he died in August of 1979. His son basically took over the business. Now, he was basically in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, the eldest of eight children born to Jewish immigrants. His father, Mir Newhouse, was an immigrant from Russia. You know, guys, why is it always that? Why is it always that? And, and just and this, and these are the guys now who control Reddit. And so now we have Reddit saying that, oh, yeah, we knew, the former CEO says, we knew about Ghislaine Maxwell 10, 11 years ago. Well, why didn't they blow it out on Reddit? Why did they start telling everybody about it on Reddit, about what they were involved in and what they were doing? You know, and then with this Pope Francis, why are they not talking about Operation Condor, which is what it was called, this, this dirty war with Argentina? And I've posted all of these links on the website at Health Masters. But we need to understand who these guys are. And, you know, it's so funny. The FDA, you know, basically is doing what it's doing. And patients are dying because they're basically denying treatment and vitamin C intravenously and all these other things that would be so effective in the treating of COVID. And these older people are dying. And now they're using these crazy made-up statistics of how many people are infected as if they have, you know, COVID, which they don't. And now they're trying to blame everything on Trump. This is an interesting article because they're saying he didn't act soon enough. Guys, this entire thing is obfuscation. All of it is. And when you stop and you look at it and you see who these guys are and why they're doing it, then you start to understand this. I mean, think through this for a second. White people in the United States have become the dispossessed majority, and we will no longer be a majority in this country within 20 years. In fact, it'll be probably 10 years because white people decided to either have one children, no children, or two children, and they're not even a successful biological specimen. I hate to say that about it, but they're not. 
and that's because I'm a white person, but you know, I ended up having four kids. If we as white people stop having children like they did in Germany, what's going to end up happening is these other minorities will come in and conquer the land that we developed and we grew for the last several hundred years. In the United States, the white ethnic Americans have been displaced now by immigrant invaders. Basically, they're news analysts, they're FBI agents, they're software engineers, they're corporate executives, they're district attorneys, they're judges, they're university professors, which I mentioned earlier, public school administrations and occupiers of other government offices. I mean, we could praise this as an integrated multicultural society, or we could understand that a society in which the original ethnic Americans have been replaced by a Tower of Babel and demonized as systemic racists. You know, and so we need to understand that we've got a group of people now that are running the media and doing all of these things, and basically what they're doing is they're destroying the very fabric of our country. The San Diego school system now has announced that it will eliminate grading standards to combat racism. What? What? I mean, this is an article by Watson. It goes, the San Diego school system is basically has announced it eliminate anything used as far as grades, A, B, C, or D. The move came about after it was revealed that just 7% of D or F grades are handed out to white students, therefore having grades systemically racist, while 23% of the Ds and Fs went to Native Americans, 23% of failing grades went to Hispanics, and 20% went to black students. However, instead of trying to develop an actual understanding of why this is taking place, the school district is simply announcing that the discrimination and racism were to blame before embarking on a complete do-over of the grading system. Academic grades will now not be dependent on early tests, meaning students could flunk them and not have it affect their final grade, and grades will now focus on mastery of the material, not on a yearly average. Teachers will also not be able to consider non-material factors like bad behavior in the classroom and not handing in work on time when grading students. In other words, a kid can come in and be a complete and total brat, cuss the teacher out, get in a fight in the middle of the classroom, not do any of his work and not turn in any of the work, and then basically you can't use that against them when you're grading them. The irony of all this, it will simply incentivize already underperforming students to act out in the classroom and and basically miss coursework deadlines. And this is what they're doing to the school systems in San Diego now. When I was a kid, back in 1967, I started junior high school. I, was, I went into seventh grade. Now, mind you, I was put in a year early, so I was a year young, younger than I should have been in school. I should have, they should, by the way, should never do that to a boy. Girls, it's not that big of a deal. But when you put a boy in who's basically socially immature at a very young age, he has a more of a difficult time as far as adjusting. So in other words, just because a kid is smart, he tests smart, and he's, you know, he's four years old, don't put him in first grade, which is what they did to me. This is not okay because what it does, it causes a problem as you mature because, you know, when you get in school, these kids who start on their testosterone cycle younger than you or older than you or more developed than you when you're in classrooms, you're having to compete with them athletically, academically, and everything else. It's better just let a boy do what he needs to do because my birthday ended up in November that's what they did but the reality is this when I got into seventh grade we had group A B C and D now group A were the gifted kids or the kids who actually cared about going to college and doing things with themselves and who basically tried to do well academically and, and who were smart who made good grades and we had group B group C and group D now the following year they stopped that they said we're not going to do that anymore because it's racist this is back in the 60s guys and, because, and the reason for that the majority of the people that were in the group A were white. The majority of the people who were in the group D 
were basically minorities. And they said, we need to put the minorities and the people that don't do well academically in with the smarter kids because it'll bring the smarter kids that can help the slower kids to learn more. And what ended up happening, it was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. We had to go at the pace of the slowest person in the class when it came to everything, from mathematics to English to everything, which means that we all had a substandard education after the eighth grade, starting in the eighth grade. You think, well, that sounds awful. Well, a few years later, about five or six years later, they realized they'd made a horrible mistake, and they started having a gifted program. Well, now many of the gifted programs have also been done away with. Now, why is this? Why is this like this? Well, I'm going to give you some information real quick that I covered a couple of years ago that I want to do this real quick on. If you take a child that has 150 IQ and you put them in a home with parents that have a 90 IQ, either through adoption or they were born that way or whatever, it doesn't make a difference. If they're being raised, at the age of 18, if those IQs are still tested, the people, the parents still have a 80 or 90 IQ and the child still has 150 IQ. Nothing changes. Just, just the way it is. The reverse is the same. If you have a child with an 80 IQ and they have parents that have 150 IQ, at the end of 18 years, and you test them again, the parents still have a 150 IQ and the children have an 80 IQ. It's just the role of the genetic dice. It has nothing to do with what any of us ask for. It's just the way it is. The problem is this. When you take the higher IQ children and you put them into an academic setting, their IQ may remain the same, but their knowledge base goes down because they can't get the teaching and the learning and the information to them quickly enough. And a lot of these guys who are really smart become very bored. And when they become very bored, they start acting out and doing stupid things. A lot of them end up being criminals, if you believe that, but they become career criminals. They become people like, I guess, you know, the pop people that we see in politics, okay? And they think they just get away with everything that they can get away with. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. So when you do this, you not you, what you do is you destroy the academic ability to create an Einstein or to create a Tesla or to create any of these people that have done so much as far as helping the human race to elevate itself because these people are simply not educated properly any longer. And this is what they're doing in San Diego now. They're saying, we're not going to even have grades. You know, we're not going to do that. This is why so many people from these lower-tier law schools, in fact, there's one law school here in Florida, I think it's called FAMU, and I'm just I'm I'm going by memory now, so this may not be exactly right. They have like a thirty percent Florida bar passage rate. In other words, seventy percent of the people who go all the way through law school can't pass the Florida bar, so they can't act as attorneys in the state of Florida. Because the, the, the bar people don't want to play this game. It's all academically oriented. Now sooner or later what they'll do, they'll say, Well, it doesn't matter if you pass the Florida bar, you're gonna to have to be licensed. Because it's racist not to license you because you don't pass the Florida bar. That's where this is headed. And so as we dumb down the population more and more and more, services start to get worse. People who are professionals start to get worse. So I'm going to say this to you guys, and I've said this years ago, and I'll say it again. There are different levels of medical doctors. You've got some really smart medical doctors. You've got some really stupid ones. I'm just telling you. I mean stupid. I mean dumber than a box of rocks. They got through medical school because they were able to memorize well or because they were brought in through affirmative action. I'm just being blunt, and they're not real bright, and they do really stupid things all of the time. Or they were trained at another medical school in another country, and they're unbelievably not real bright. And they come over here and they're able to pass the medical board exams and become licensed as a medical professional. You have attorneys the same way. You have good attorneys, you got bad attorneys. You got good cops, you got bad cops. Every single profession, you got good dentists, you got bad dentists. So every single profession is like this. It all has the good and the bad of everybody. But when we decide we're no longer going to allow people to be 
put on a grading scale and figure out who can get it, who can't get it, or whatever, you know, it's gonna be a problem. Now, don't get me don't get me wrong. Sometimes some of the tests that are done that determines a person's knowledge, especially when they have multiple, multiple right, multiple, multiple choice questions that are right or wrong. Like it can be A, B, C, D, or E, or any combination of A, B, C, or D. You can have any of those. You can pick. Those aren't really a test of our knowledge. Those are a test of our test taking abilities. And those are not fair at all. Now, I ran into the, some of that nonsense at the Florida State back into the 70s, and Austin has too. And those tests, be quite frankly, they just suck. And, the, you know, you can study your butt off, but, you know, they have all these variables, and it's all based upon the bias of the test giver and what they think is the right answer. Now, those tests are awful, and they should be banned. But, you know, short answer essay, long answer essay, and just straight A, B, C, or D, one of the above, those are okay. But, guys, it's so important to understand that we can't continue to dumb down our society and start taking and putting anybody into positions of authority or power. I mean, what happens if you get a brain surgeon who doesn't even really know how to do brain surgery? How does that even happen? Well, there are teachers out there that have been pushed through, pushed through the educational systems who can't read or write. I make, I'm not joking with you. It's that bad. And unless we stop this dumbing down of our system, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Austin, what do you think, bud? No, that's really well said, and that's exactly what we've seen. And this, again, pushes that socialist communist agenda, is that it doesn't matter what you do in class. It doesn't matter how good of grades you get. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how academically gifted you are. It does not matter. Everybody's basically going to get a participation award. And that's where we've reached this point now in society because you have to have to push, continually push the politically correct narrative because politically correct narratives maintain a restriction on free speech. This is really what it comes down to, guys. That's what you have to understand. This is why the globalists are so bent on pushing political correctness. They don't care about people getting offended. They can care less about racism. These guys are complete and total banker boy globalists. They can care less about any of that. But what it does is it pushes self-censorship and lack of free speech and essentially a full violation of your God-given rights to be able to live freely on you by saying you can't say this because it's offensive. You can't say that because it's not nice. You can't get an A, and little Jimmy can't get a D because that's not fair. Both of you guys have to get 100s or smiley faces or whatever they're going to do to grade those in the future. So understand, that's where this is all heading down the future. And remember, these, this, these communist groups, their main goal is to essentially, like Dad just said, reduce the information and reduce the knowledge that the younger generations continue to give. That's the whole point behind Common Core. They want to have a really, really uneducated group of a generation that comes up, this next generation, that's very susceptible, that's hooked on the phone, that basically has to be completely given gratification by social media every single day to even feel like they're a human being. They want them to follow orders at all point in times. They want them to basically say, yes, sir, no, sir, I'll walk through the cattle gate into Walmart and put on my good little mask because you told me to do so. That's what they want. They want them to say, hey, we can only have three households for Christmas this year because that's what Governor Newsom said. We have to follow orders. This what it's all about is creating a generation that will do nothing except follow orders. Don't ask questions. Don't go against the grain. Don't use your own mind. Don't use the big brain that God gave you. Listen to what we tell you. Get your vaccine. Drink your fluoride. Eat your MSG. 
shut up, go to your job, make a couple dollars a week, just enough to pay your bills and stay in debt until you die, and the next generation behind you will do the whole thing. That's where this whole thing leads, guys. That's why I'm so vocal about standing up against these unbelievably unlawful violations of what they've tried to push on us across the whole country. Because it's not about a virus anymore. We've already seen this with dozens of people that I know directly. Vitamin C and D3 gets the immune system exactly where it needs to be. The viruses that you're exposed to on a daily basis are not an abnormal occurrence. You get exposed to them every single day, some more aggressive than others. But when you start being told that every single thing is dangerous, every single thing that you could do make you go outside and you may die from it, you start living in fear. And when you live in fear, it completely clouds your judgment. You no longer ask critical questions. You no longer go against the narrative because you only thing you're in now is survival mode. I don't want to die. I don't want to go outside. I just don't, oh, I don't want to do anything. Put a mask on. Put gloves on. Maybe run here. Don't get close to this person. Don't talk to this person. Stay away from here. That's what they've done. They've instilled a mindset of fear all across the country. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of sound mind. Keyword, sound mind. Using rational, critical thinking and saying, hey, this doesn't make any sense at all. We already know these masks do not protect you whatsoever. We know that they're using the mask simply as a tool to muzzle you. They're using a mask to say, you have to do this or else. They're using masks and satanic rituals for thousands of years. The masking ceremony is not some new thing. People say, oh, you wear masks. Dude, that is one of the key aspects of the Babylonian ceremonies, that people wear masks to hide their, basically their face. This is what they do. Hence why they have the six feet everywhere still. Everywhere you go still. Six. Number six. Six, six. I've told you, they couldn't be any more ominous than that. Down by a park. There's a park down in downtown Auburndale. They have a big sign out front. You need to social distance six feet. It's recommended. With a big number six on it. Why do you do that? Why do you got to have a number six on it? Why can't you just spell it out? Or why can't it be five feet? Why can't it be seven feet? I would have much rather have everything but seven. Seven, 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 seven everywhere. Stay seven feet away. Seven feet away. I'd be like, okay, we got sevens everywhere. I'm okay with that. But really? Popping sixes up everywhere? Nobody else finds that ominous but me? This is something that's been going on. It's going to continue to go on as long as people keep following the narrative. Stand your ground on this. Also, too, in other news, remember I told you earlier, we're doing more research in the AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine trial with a 28-year-old volunteer dying. They're saying, though, he was given a placebo and not given the real COVID-19 vaccine. But again, with these research and with these groups, they are known for basically fibbing on a lot of stuff and manipulating research. However, we do know now in South Korea, there's a huge spark of vaccine hesitancy and fear, so to speak, as nine people have died from the flu shot so far in just the last week and a half. They said five new deaths were reported on Wednesday alone. But authorities are saying they have no plans to suspend the vaccine program. They're saying that they're not confident that any of the deaths were related to the flu vaccine that is being given out, even though one of the individuals that just died yesterday was a healthy 17-year-old boy who died a few short days after receiving the flu vaccine. Now, there's been a huge media blackout on this over in South Korea right now. 
They're doing everything they can to keep this information from getting out there. And this is what I told you guys yesterday. I said, don't you all, does anybody else find it odd but me that we always have this flu season right at the same time that flu vaccines come out and we have the live flu nasal virus that's regularly used and people go, oh, no, 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 it can't shed, it can't infect you. Well, what, why don't we just try not doing a flu shot one year? I mean that. Why don't we do a social experiment? We say, hey, guess what? We're just going to opt out of the flu vaccine. We're not even going to introduce it this year. We're not even going to use it. Well, A, that would mean billions of dollars in lost revenue for the pharmaceutical vaccine companies. And, of course, they would say it's, for, it's dangerous for everybody that we don't have a flu vaccine. Well, it's funny. I don't get the flu shot. I don't ever get the flu. Almost everybody I know doesn't get the flu, and they don't get the flu shot. But, ironically, almost every time I talk to people that are in the medical community or basically outside of the medical community, the flu vaccine almost always inadvertently get sick after they get it. Hmm, why is that? I don't know. You do the math. Also, too, in other news, this is something that's very interesting as well. This is good to see this. The Martin County School Board down here, that's towards like Sarasota, down here in Florida, they have now avoided to vote on the recognizing of October as LGBTQRSTUZ History Month. And they're not going to vote on it. Now, they, they basically postponed it. They got so much backlash. What they wanted to do was they wanted to deem October basically gay tranny pride month, just to be blunt with it. And they wanted to teach gay tranny pride history in the schools in October. And essentially they got so much backlash from the parents that they did not even vote on it. They refused to even vote on it because they didn't want to have any backlash from the parents finding out who on the school board wanted this to go into effect. I hate to bust their bubble, but the aspect of Gay Tranny Pride Month has no place whatsoever in the school system. We're supposed to be learning about history, not about how George decided he wanted to be Sarah and have his appendages cut off. That has no place in the school system whatsoever, unless you're a communist indoctrination camp and you're trying to subvert the culture and confuse the younger generation as aggressively as possible so they have no idea what their gender role is, much less trying to understand how to stand their ground and be a productive, strong American constitutional patriot. Well, then it makes perfect sense why they would want to put this in the school system. So kudos for the time being. I'm glad the parents stood up for this. Now let's see if we can get some of these ridiculous mass mandates out of the school system because of Apparently, even though DeSantis removed the restrictions, a private school system like this or a school board can still vote, but they can't fine anybody, I guess, for not wearing a mask, but I guess they can sanction them in the school system. I'm not sure how this whole thing works right now. I thought we had more leadway when DeSantis removed everything, but I guess the governor only has so much say in what the school board can do, because at that point, the governor comes in and starts mandating what the school board has to do. I don't know if that's overstepping his bounds or he can do it, but it may have a whole bunch of flack that ensues. I'm not sure. So I guess that's why he just said no more mass mandates. You cannot be fined for any mass mandates. No more restrictions. All businesses can be open and not have any violations or restrictions put on them. So again, we're still fighting this battle down here in Florida, and that's why I encourage every Everybody, get this information out there. Continue to spread the truth. I mean, all this information now that we're finding out about Hunter Biden's laptop and Trump and all this weird stuff that's going on with it right now, 
this has been one of the biggest cover-ups as far as making sure the mainstream media does not talk about it whatsoever at all. Biden won't even address it, and now apparently we're supposed to be having some debate tonight. I'm sure this is going to be as equal of a crap show as it was a couple weeks ago, because now they have mute buttons, apparently. So now, as soon as Trump starts going off the narrative or starts bringing up topics that they don't want, they're just going to mute him. That's pretty much what, uh, from what I'm gathering. So we're going to see how that plays out tonight in this little new circus clown show that we're going to have to experience again today, I guess, Dad. <laughs> well, yeah, I had a pastor friend of mine. I mentioned this yesterday. He said that Trump might be holding up cue cards, like, you know, you know, you know, Joe Biden is an idiot. You know, Hunter Biden's a criminal, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, when they mute him. So you know, we'll see if that really happens. I mean, that it's like, well, it's the Donald Trump reality shows what this is. It's been that way for the yeah. past four years. He's an actor. He's being paid by the Rothschild banking boys to, to do this. And as long as he does Israel's bidding, he will be reelected. I told you guys that. I mean, it's not a, it's not a question. I mean, he's the one who put, moved the, the American embassy, you know, into Jerusalem. He's the one who gave away a big chunk of the Golan Heights. It's like he has the authority to do that, sign an executive order. I mean, what the heck is that? It's like I told you guys yesterday, Israel's trying now to pass a law through our House and Senate that we can't sell arms unless it's approved through Israel. They have the right of vetoing it. I mean, what the heck is going on? Well, you know, that's the problem that we have right now is that, you know, we're being run by these special interest groups that are primarily Zionists that are controlling both sides of the narrative, and they're allowing what they want to be told on media to be told, by the way. Rush Limbaugh. Oh. You know, I don't care for Rush. Now, I know a lot of you guys like Rush. I got it. I got it. I don't care for him. All right. Uh, he makes a lot of money every year. And I don't care about that. And he's probably worth six, seven hundred million dollars. But here's the deal. Remember what I told you guys years ago when I talked to Mancow about this? Mancow was told that if you're partisan, you're either Republican or you're a Democrat, that the media will allow you to grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger because you're causing division. But if you go down the middle and you try to tell the truth about both sides, you get in a situation where you create too big of a problem for them because people start thinking. <laughs> and heaven forbid we actually think. And so Rush, now, now Rush says that did Hunter Biden leave his laptop to be found? They're making out Hunter Biden to be a victim. The kid who was abused in China, the little girl, you know, she doesn't think any of this is funny right now. She knows about this. He tortured that little girl. But now he's the victim, according to Rush. Why is that? Why is Rush so adamant about pushing this narrative to silence the narrative about Hunter Biden? That's the only reason he would do this. Why would he do this? Because he knows what side of his bread is buttered on. And he realized he just signed another big contract. Now, now mind you, here's the, here's the irony of this. The guy has lung cancer, which has like a 97% fatality rate. He's dying. You know, he'll probably be dead within six months to a year, you know, if he makes it that long. Are they telling him they have a new treatment protocol available for him that they can give him to extend his life if he does this? I'm asking a question. I'm not making any comments. I'm not, I'm not saying this is what they're doing. How are they controlling him to this level? I mean, he completely and totally soiled himself with this entire thing that he did on a show the other day. Soiled himself. Now, here's the thing. He again knows where in the world his money has come from and where it's continuing to come from. I think he's making over $100 million a year. And see, this is the nonsense that we run into with these people that are basically controlled via the deep state, which are the Kabbalists, which are the globalists, which are the people who took down Building 7, pick a name, Illuminati, you can pick your own name on it. These are the guys who do this all of the time. So now Rush Limbaugh has jumped on the Hunter bandwagon as far as promoting him. 
and telling him that, oh, it's not okay. It's just something that basically, you know, he was upset with his parents, and that's why he did this. Even Tucker Carlson has jumped on the bandwagon. He goes, America's most powerful people want you to shut up about Hunter Biden. To defeat Donald Trump, our core institutions are being destroyed. And Hunter, and we need to realize, if do you really think if <laughs> Tucker Carlson started talking about the Federal Reserve Bank like Glenn Beck did? Now, I'm not a fan of Glenn Beck either. Okay, I'm just letting you know that. But Glenn Beck started talking about the Federal Reserve Bank on, on you know on Fox News, and he was taken off within two weeks, gone, finished, finished, gone, goodbye, leave us alone, don't pass go, you don't collect two hundred dollars, you're out of here. Okay. <laughs> Tucker Carlson does the narrative. It's back and forth. Remember what Otto Kahn said. They control both sides of the narrative. They allow you to believe what they want you to believe based upon the knowledge they allow you to have based upon how much information they're going to give you of what they want you to know, and the rest is censored. A really good article. I agree with part of it, not all of it. I posted it on the website. It's from the Unst Review, and it's called Why Is It Important for Trump to Win by Kevin McDonald? By the way, it's a very, very brilliant article. And it makes a lot of true comments. It says, Trump's 2016 victory was seen as nothing less than a cataclysm by the American establishment, the greatest shock to the system in memory and perhaps in the entire history of the republic. After all, Trump was vehemently opposed by the entire establishment from the far left to the neoconservative and to the chamber of commerce of the right. He was, as one might say, a hostile takeover. The left was on the cusp of going into the endgame mode so losing was incredibly frustrating, especially since Hillary Clinton was expected to win easily, but Trump won. Whatever you think of Trump's actual performance, the fact is that throughout the campaign and since taking office, the media has pretty much, the entire left has been labeling him as a Nazi and as a white supremacist. And it continued even in the recent presidential debate and town hall hosted by Savannah Guthrie. When Trump won, they were apolyptic on the verge of complete victory with a sure thing, Hillary victory, to having white supremacists in the White House. The tears that flowed after Trump won were replaced by anger and sheer hatred. The practical result was that Trump's victory had had an effect of mobilizing the left. Now, that's why I wanted to read that to you. Trump's victory had the effect of mobilizing the left. You can't have a revolution and killing in the street unless you have two different types of people fighting against each other. Now I want you to really think about what I just said. You have to have conflict. You have to have the ability of these people to hate each other to such a point that they are willing to riot and to burn and to kill and to destroy. Now, this is really important that we get this. It's so important that we understand this because, quite frankly, it's polarization. And it's exactly what the Rothschild Kabbalists want, is to create as much negative energy as they possibly can on both sides to create the biggest amount of friction they can create to try to create a takeover and another civil war in the United States. Remember, these are the same groups. It's the same people, the international bankers, that financed the South against the North in our civil war. They were the same ones that ran the newspaper ads to, to promote the, the civil war. They funded both sides of the civil war to make maximum profits, and they thought that our country would be easier to take over if it was divided in two and crippled. This is why they did it, guys. And they're doing it again right now. This is civil war 
2.0. This is exactly what they did in Russia. It's always the same thing. They've got to polarize both sides. Now, it's interesting here. He goes on to say, I realize that Trump has been gung-ho about doing things Israel wants. That's why I like this article. But he stops short of war. That's because they're not ready for it yet. And in my opinion, he has done all he can to extricate U.S. troops from the Middle East. That's completely wrong in the face of powerful opposition from the military. Trump accused him of gunning for post-career jobs with defense contractors. That's true. The Israeli lobby, lobby, the media, where the left is dominated by liberal interventionists and many politicians of both sides of the aisle. Just today, Trump renewed pressure on the Pentagon to lower troop levels even further to order to fulfill his election promise, but the Pentagon is resisting the move. Why is the Pentagon resisting the move? They don't want to lower troop levels, particularly in Afghanistan, because the troops are being used to control and to manage and to protect the poppy fields. All of it goes back to organized crime. The organized crime groups that funded Donald Trump to become president because of his pro-Israeli stance, the organized crime groups that have funded Joe Biden, because of his pro-Israeli stance, to cause this massive polarization, are the same groups. It's the same people pulling both sets of puppets. What we have to be aware of, and this is why they don't like shows like this, that's why we're so heavily censored, is because I want you to see both sides of what they're doing. I want you to see the man behind the curtain, and I want you to go to the front of the curtain to see what he's telling you to do. I want you to see both sides of this, because if we do, we go back and say, wow, Satan is a liar. Their God is a liar. This group is a bunch of liars. And that's why I told you guys last week, our Constitution, our Republic, was established by a Christian country using Christian values. And it's solely inadequate for heathen. Why? Because there's too many things that can be done using our Constitution illegally to destroy the Republic. It was made for a group of people that were willing to follow God's laws and be obedient to God's laws and to realize that there was a higher authority, the great I am, who was looking down on them, who were looking and watching and see everything they did, and that in the end you will be judged by what you do on this planet. That's how our Constitution was written. When you have a group of people who don't believe in heaven or hell which these guys don't, and they don't believe that there's basically something you have to pay at the end, which they don't believe that, then what ends up happening, let me, let, me, let, me, let me give you an example here. Years ago, I was on a cruise ship, and we were in, over in the China Sea somewhere. I forgot where we were. I think we were right outside of Hong Kong. And I spoke to a guy in my cabin next to me. We had a little suite out there with a little balcony, and the guy on the balcony comes out one morning smoking a cigar, and I start talking to him. And he's a Jewish fellow, really nice guy. And I start talking to him. I'm talking to him about his beliefs, and he said, "Well, we don't believe in heaven or hell." Now, not all Jews feel this way, but this is the majority of them. We don't believe in heaven or hell. So I said, "What do you mean?" I said, "He said, well, we don't believe in that. We believe whether you die, it's over, and it's just over." That's what he said. And I'm like, "Well, we don't believe that." And he goes, "Well, we disagree with you guys. You Christians believe that there's heaven or hell. We don't believe any of that. We believe that you do everything you can while you're here, and when you die, it's done." And I'm like, "Whoa!" And I told myself, "Wait a minute. If this is the liberal mindset," of these people coming into the United States and controlling our government, then no wonder they just do whatever they wanted to do. You know, Jeffrey Epstein never thought he would have to deal with hell. Well, he's changed his mind now. Ruth Bader Ginsburg never thought she would have to deal with hell. And guess what? She's changed her mind now. But these people really believe that. 
And so when we understand that mindset of the liberal mentality, I'm not just picking on Jews either. I'm just, I'm just telling you how they believe. And because Israel controls so much of our foreign policy and the Israeli lobby, APAC, American Israeli Political Action Committee, and, and the CFR is controlled through these groups. If you understand their mindset, then you understand why they feel as though they can do anything they want to do whenever they want to do it. And there's no moral consequences for it. It's very important to understand that. And then this article goes on to say, let me finish this article. It says, finally, the number one reason he wants Trump to victory, he says, this is funny. He goes, is to simply see massive crowds of Trump haters weeping on TV. <laughs> I repeat of 2016, but much worse. I would just love to see the likes of Nicole Wallace, Joy Reid, Chris Hayes, Chris Kumo, Don Lemon, and Lawrence O'Donnell. Their face is grim, lashing out at Trump voters as racist, misogynist, haters, etc. Then he says, get out the popcorn to watch the show. Guys, hate to say this, but he's right. I mean, it will be wonderful to see that again, because I personally believe that Donald Trump is going to win. Nobody in their right mind can vote for Joe Biden. They can't. He's a career criminal, period. That's it. And so we need to understand this. But guys, think about it for a second. Both sides of this election farce is being controlled. I mean, the Electoral College decides on who wins anyhow. We all know that. And now these guys are trying to get rid of the Electoral College and all of this stuff with third-party candidates coming in now on the Libertarian Party. All of this stuff, guys, is all stage theater. And once we understand that, and we can laugh at these guys that are doing this, and we can see them for who and for what they are, a bunch of demons, then it starts making more sense. Then we realize that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That this is the day the Lord hath made, and I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. And you can thank God Almighty that he sent us Jesus Christ to deliver us from this mess down on this planet. Because this has been going on for a long, long time. And quite frankly, unless everybody repents and they seek God's will, and our nation repents and seeks God's will, and asks God for forgiveness for these 60 million children that have been aborted, for these sacrifices to Baal and Moloch and Asher and all the rest of these weirdo gods they've made up. Unless we can ask God to forgive us for what we've done. Guys, this country's on a bad track down to hell. It really is. And we have to understand that. So the best we can do at this point is to continue to tell the truth to love God, to love Jesus, get as many people saved as you possibly can, and realize that we're not of this world. We're just passing through. That's all we are. We're going to be out of here because we're saved. As soon as we check out of here, we're out of here. We're done. We're in heaven with God immediately because we're in covenant with the Most High God. And once we understand that, it makes all of this a lot more palatable to deal with. It really does. So, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Stay frosty. Stay prepped. Get some food stored. Get your vitamins stored up. And thank you so much for supporting Health Masters and praying for us. I had the opportunity, had a pretty good prayer this morning for you guys. Hope you guys felt it. You guys are absolutely awesome. Austin, go ahead and finish it up, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, I've continually been telling people this year to make sure you have some backup supplies and food and water and so forth. A new article just came out saying, discussing New York. They said New York City is further falling into shambles with more than half a million residents in New York City unemployed as small businesses collapse, Broadway's closed, Manhattan offices are empty, violent crime is surging, and an exodus of people from the cities created a perfect storm. They said now the problem is becoming more widespread. At least one million New York Cityers 
are expected to experience food insecurity. The executive director of Mazbia Soup Kitchen Network said, we have done disasters before, but nothing is close to what we are doing now. Referring to the long lines at food banks across the city is becoming extremely common. She said there's been over a 500% increase in demand. All three locations are now open 24-7, feeding at least 1,500 or more families a day, and it's still not enough. They said with demand high for food banks in the city, she said long lines have developed, which has forced them to create an entirely new system, which they call a digital food bank line. Feeding America, another group, one of the nation's top food banks, recently warned that they may run out of food within the next 12 months as demand has overwhelmed its network. Now think about this for a perfect storm for a second. How easy would it be now that these individuals that are using all these food the food banks that need all this help and need all this support to now come in and say, hey, listen, for you to order to come pick up your food now, you're going to have to get a vaccine. We've got to make sure everybody's protected. Once you get your COVID pass, once you get your vaccine certificate, whatever they want to call it, you can come and get your food. How quickly are people going to comply at that point with a COVID vaccine? Think about that for a minute. That's why I tell everybody, stay self-sufficient. Keep the ability to maintain and protect and feed your family on a regular basis. The only way this plan of theirs is going to work is by submission. There, it has to be a conscious choice for people to get this vaccine and for people to submit to this. That's the only way it works because they're not going to be able to force it upon you. Now, that topic's been thrown around a lot, but I personally don't believe they would ever try to do that on a large scale be too physically difficult and there'd be too much backlash and not on top of that I've told you before dad's brought this up this entire I say I use the word karma for what they look at it as they have to tell you what they're going to do and you have to agree to it at some point in time you have to consent there's always this consent factor to what they like to do it's really weird with this stuff when they do it on a large scale so understand that this is where they're headed and if everybody's strong everybody's healthy, if everybody has their immune system supplements and their immune system's functioning properly, and you're sharp mentally, and you have the ability to have a couple months worth of food, and you got water, and you got water filtration, you got nice armament and weapons and a whole group of community, you start expanding that on a larger scale all across the country. It makes it very difficult to get an entire country to comply when they don't want to comply. So again, I encourage everybody, continue to spread the truth and try to wake people up. And I know it's hard right now. I know it is. There's a lot of people that still have their head so far in the sand, it's insane to me. But again, this is what I talked to you about a couple days ago or last week when I said this has turned into a, a COVID cult. People have dealt with this for so long now that a lot of people psychologically cannot cope with it. So they've simply just agreed to go along with the measures. Make sure you don't go to these places. You don't have this many people here. You wear a mask everywhere you go. You keep your head down. Don't talk to people. Don't sing. Don't go to church. They've complied with it just because they don't know any other way to cope. So now, actually realizing that we've been lied to for the last eight months about what's really happening as a further agenda to control the world, it's very difficult for some people to grasp. It really is. Their normalcy bias is just, they can't deal with it. They're going, no, no, we need a vaccine. So if you can't wake those people up, try. Do the best you can. Forward 
our show. We have all the articles on the website every day. We get them posted up there that we talk about on the show. So even if they, the show's too intense for them, which I get that. I've had complaints about that, but I don't care. This is the show we do. This is what we're going to continue doing as long as we can physically do it. That's why we have no outside support as far as ads, anything like that. Health Masters sponsors the entire show. You supporting Health Masters takes care of the show. We don't have ads on here. We don't have commercials. We don't have sponsors. And I'm pretty proud of that, I'll be honest with you. We're one of the only shows that's an hour long with not a single commercial ever. No breaks, nothing. One hour the entire time. Because I learned a long time ago, when you start having commercials and you start having ads, the money that comes along with that money, or the money that comes along with those ads and those commercials, it always has strings attached to it. It always has somebody at the other end that says, hey, you know what, uh, if you can, don't bring up this topic or don't say this word or don't say this one thing just because, you know, we're putting money in it. We want to make sure we're covered. This is why the vaccine companies and the pharmaceutical companies generate roughly 70% of all ad revenue for the mainstream medias. Why? Because once you start generating almost three-quarters of your entire ad revenue, you can pretty much say anything you want, and you can pretty much promote anything you want, including horrible, debilitating pharmaceutical drugs that in most cases have no useful purpose even being in society, but they generate hundreds of billions of dollars every year. So they continue to push them, and they can continue to control the mainstream media. So again, thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the support. I appreciate all the positive emails we keep getting from a lot of the customers, sending us emails, sending us articles. Thank you for that. Stay sharp. Stay prepared. Have a blessed, safe, awesome day. Have a wonderful night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow as always.